0: Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. My name is Sasha Lester and today I'm joined by Timmy Gallagher, another guest of mine all the way from the other side of the world. And I love talking to people um outside of Australia. It um their accents just grab me straight up and um <laughs> and it's lovely. Um, Timmy is a mental fitness coach and works with a number of young adults and younger CEOs seeking a resilient mindset. So this is very much up my alley. So I'm very, very excited. Timmy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: And Sasha, thank you for having me and I get a kick out of your accent, so this should be fun for both of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I said, like, I, I, um, a few people say that, and it's like, do I really have an accent? But you know, I guess we all do. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about the three things, and we can talk on them in in an order. The importance of a consistent routine, and I'm all about routine, if nothing else. How our brains default to what is wrong versus what is possible, and resilient mindsets in general. So if we can start off, if you can tell us a little bit or a lot as much as you like about yourself and about what you do, and then yeah, we can deep dive into those three topics. Over to you.
1: Super. Well, I should probably start off with um, besides all this coaching stuff, I'm a father and I'm a father of three boys and I'm remarried. And together we have five kids. So we range, our kids go from 28 down to 19 now. So we've been through, uh, I would like to say the harder years. It does get a little easier when they get older, but the price tag is a little bit more expensive now when they come to us. Um, a little bit so it's easier,
0: not, but a little bit challenging, more challenging, I reckon.
1: Indeed. Yes. And between being a father and a parent and a leader in work. And then with coaching, what has evolved for me, and I'm an endurance athlete, also is mindset. And so, to the three points you brought up, we should all understand that that two to three pound thing in our skull, the brain, that the default of it is what is wrong. And that's really your survive brain, which is your limbic system. So, that always shows up in the five basic F's fight, flight, breeze, feed, and fornicate That's what keeps our species going. And most people have probably heard about fight and flight, things like that before. And that part of your brain is three to five times stronger than your more, I'll call it your thrive brain. And it gets first bite, so to speak, at every stimulus that comes your way. Why? Because that's what helped us survive. Back in the day when you and i be walking through the jungle, when we go back in our generations, something rustled in the bush, saber-toothed tiger, we're either going to fight it, we're going to run, or we're going to freeze. It's built that that Way it's meant to be that way to help us survive. It helps us in those survival or crisis situations, but not everything is a crisis or a survive situation, which is why we need to learn how to tap into our thrive brain. Questions.
0: We um, we talk a lot about the fight or the flight um, and not so much about the freeze, like I've never really heard a lot about the freeze. Um, yeah, really interesting, I suppose. So, yeah. The importance of a consistent routine. Everyone has a routine and if you mess with that routine, heaven help you type thing. How important is it, do you think, for I guess, teenagers and parents of teenagers to establish that consistent routine around the house or around um, education and study and schooling, those type of things?
1: It's paramount, particularly a routine that is one that leads towards growth, leads towards health, right? We This, again, I'm all about the brain. The brain likes to put things on automatic pilot because when it does that, it doesn't have to think about it. When it doesn't have to think about it, it uses less energy. Makes perfect neurological, biomechanical sense. You can form bad habits and you can form good habits. Basically what we do on a repeated basis becomes a habit. Let's go back to what we talked about earlier. The default is fight, flight, freeze, feed, fornicate. It wants to put things in the background and that part is three to five times stronger. For you to, for all and any of us to tap into the more thrive human side of your brain, it literally is your right hemisphere in your prefrontal cortex. Because the other, your limbic system's three to five times stronger? Let me put it in this way. If that part of your brain is three to five times stronger, it can do 500... 500- push up, automatically. If you want to be stronger than that side of your brain, you have to be able to do at least 501. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen by accident. You see where we're going with this? That's where the routine, the consistency, particularly that leads to a more thrive oriented brain has to happen or you will, you will remain on.
0: What are some of the steps that if you don't come from um, like a family of, of routine, what are some of the simple steps that you can can take to to start off routine and like we've all probably got um you know our daily routines of getting up and making coffee and brushing teeth and mm-hmm. doing those things but um those steps to forming new habits and new routines.
1: Well, let me just capitalize real quick on something you said there that's going to help with all this. So we've now explained you have a survive brain and we understand we have a thrive brain, which is your right hemisphere prefrontal cortex to get the neurons neurons that fire together. Together, stay together. To get the neurons to the thrive brain to start firing, we do it, what I call presence exercises. You could call it mindfulness. You could call it a lot of different things. But Sasha, this is really neat how it works. So we want to get the brain working better. So guess what we use? Our body. And we use our five senses. Vision, hearing, smell, taste, touch. So to do a presence exercise, you can do that on something that is seemingly very mundane, brushing your teeth. How often do we brush our teeth and we're just on automatic? clout, we brush our teeth. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you could brush your teeth and make it a presence exercise. So I, I use an electric toothbrush. So here in the electric toothbrush, feeling on it on each tooth, going in between each tooth, maybe tasting the toothpaste, I'm being utterly present to what I'm doing in that moment that activates the neurons to your thrive brain
0: instead of just going through the motions of i'm hearing brushing my teeth and let's get it over and done with type thing
1: not only that now let's think about it we're brushing our teeth and usually our mind is doing what thinking about what happened today what's happening tomorrow that is what i call the saboteur we have voices that pop up from our thrive brain the first one is the judge something's right something's wrong something's black something's white. I, I don't like it. I do like it. I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, but it just wants to judge things. And the judge will bring in your personality. We call it saboteurs, little nuances on that judgment, but it's always a meaning making machine. It's, I regret something from yesterday. I'm fearful of something tomorrow. And you hear that flight like freeze in there. The thrive brain is in the present moment. So if you're going to brush your teeth and you're being present and you start thinking, say, excuse me, I don't want that right now. I'm just being present to Mm -hmm. brushing my teeth. That activates the neural pathway to the thrive brain. Now here's the science behind it. This is all science. If you do that type of presence work, such as brushing your teeth, being present to it, 10 seconds or longer, you activate the neural pathway to your thrive brain. And what we need on a daily basis is 10 minutes or more of that. And then you will start getting that what I call mental fitness, you'll develop that side of your brain. So I know you have some questions. Let me just add this. So what does that mean? You do that on a consistent basis, you're more able to tap into your thrive brain than your thrive brain. That's what we call resiliency.
0: How hard is it for people in general to be present, as you say, for that 10 seconds or longer? Because 10 seconds is a fair chunk of time if you haven't I guess being trained to to be present.
1: You're absolutely correct. In fact, when, when I coach with clients or, or young people, you know, the preference is I need you to do two 20 minute sessions of mindfulness, you know, meditation, et cetera. And like, you know, I have some high powered CEOs but like, Timmy, that's forty minutes. That's a lot of my time. <laughs> I agree, but I'm, is working out doing physical fitness for 40 minutes. Does that sound appropriate? Yeah, it sounds about right. 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Your brain is the same way, but we get this mindset, of, that's too much time, says your saboteur. But if that's still too much time, can you give me 10 minutes? Can you give me five minutes? Can you give yourself one minute? Can you give me 10 seconds? Okay, I'll work on 10 seconds or longer. But to your question, so I'm new to this 10 seconds and I'm about five seconds into it. And oh, I just thought of something. Mm. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat, because when you beat yourself up, that's your judge and the saboteurs. Mm. Just if you fall down, Sasha, if we fall down seven times, get up eight. So if, if that voice pops up, just excuse me, uh, I'm driving the bus, sit back down. Each time you tell that thought to just sit back down and you go back to the presence, that's a rep, that's a push-up, so to speak. So don't be dismayed when your mind wanders, just bring it back to center. That will add to developing that neural pathway. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I've heard previously that, you know, when the when like an external voice comes in and hits you with um, you know, oh, you've got to take the washing. Out today, it's kind of like uh, I acknowledge that I've got to do that, but I'm doing this right now. And um, yeah, you're nodding your head.
1: Okay, <laughs> you, you, you've got it. And and so that's bring it back. So why is the brain doing that? That's that judgmental part saying I I, I got to get it done, or you know, if I didn't do it, I'm a bad person, or whatever meaning making we put to it. Versus that other part of brain that's just saying, could we just be here right now? You know, like I just came up from downstairs, and the lovely Mrs Gallagher. <laughs> (laughs) Mary, my wife is downstairs. I make a point and it truly helps me be a better husband when I'm with Mary just be with Mary you know podcasts are over coaching is over I've done my look ahead just be with Mary I- I'll tell you a quick but great story one of my sons Colin when he was a little boy I would come home from work put him on my lap and he would tell me about his day and I truly wanted to hear his day and I had a very high-powered job and my phone would go off and I'd look at it one day when I'm looking at my phone and I don't know if, if people can't see it I'll describe it his little fingers took my my chin and pulled it back to his face mm. saying don't look Look at your phone. Look at me. That was the essence of true presence. Children are totally present. Young children saying hello. The real clue phone is ringing. It's me, your son Colin. Look at me. If we could all learn to be present to the one thing we're doing, that would change everything. But we get too distracted.
0: Yeah, I had a I had a job where I was. um, I guess in my mind, I was five days in the office and seven days um, out on site. But I bought it home that it was seven days out on site, seven days at home. And very similar to your story, I was at the beach with my two kids and my work phone rang and I started looking at it or sorting something out. Addison, my youngest, said to me, Don't they know that you're a mum when you come home? Don't they know that it's the weekend? And I'm like, yep. Okay. And I just, I literally from that moment, I didn't answer my phone on the weekends in that, in that particular role. So uh, kids are amazing. They give you a a slap in the face sometimes of of reality. (laughs) It's it's the reality check, I reckon. We touched on it earlier, but can you elaborate the how brains default to what is wrong versus what is possible? Um, and just before you start, I think it's I think it's kind of built in that as humans we always gravitate to what is wrong rather than what is possible. Like I say to my clients, pull the positives, pull the positives. One of my good friends, um, she's just being diagnosed with um cancer and she was talking to me and she's like, you know, I'm gonna lose my hair. And I'm like, but but pull the positives. Like what's the positive? And she's like, well none really. And I'm like, no, there is like, you know, my God, you could have like three wigs and you could have, you know, three avatars that you could go out and you could have the most amazing hair and you can have a short one and a long one. And she's like, oh my God. If nothing else, you bring the laughs. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So over you here for your explanation.
1: You, you are a natural mental fitness coach because what I tell folks is out of every circumstance or outcome, there is a gift or opportunity. So my mom just went through cancer again for a second time, and yes, the brain. I mean, it, listen, that's not sugarcoated. It, it sucks, right? And yeah. it's not fun. Um, and that's that limbic system saying, "Fight, flight, or freeze." I don't like this fight. I don't like this freeze. I'm counted a corner, right? I don't like this flee. I don't want any medicine. Forget about it. like because that part of your brain's three to five times stronger, and it gets first bite at everything. Okay, but what are the opportunities? And to your point, I mean, we live near Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, the best hospitals around. Mom, you have all the best hospitals. And like you said, Sasha, we can get you all sorts of great wigs. And we went through this before, we'll get it through you again. Both become self-fulfilling prophecies, whether you want to be stuck in what I call survive brain or in your thrive brain. Now let's go back to what we've been saying. You're more apt to tap into your thrive brain if you've been working on the present. Well, why is it so hard? And you brought it up. That is our default. What is wrong? Saber-tooth tiger, run. What is wrong? Something's in the bush, hide. We now make that happen in every part of our life. Somebody cuts me off. It's a threat on the highway. They just cut you off. They don't even know who you are. Why did you even bite on it? But we do. It's our natural instinct. You had mentioned a bit. So that is what is wrong. So what is possible? Notice I don't say what is right. It's what's possible. One, so there's four steps. One, be awake. Most people on such automatic robotic processes that they don't even know what to do in halftime. So one, get awake. Two, once you're awake, get aware, get your head on a swivel, understand your impact on people, how impacted people are impacting you positively or negatively. Once you start getting awake and aware, you can make a significant leap because you become a presence. And so what does that leap look like? You move into what we call choice. See, a reaction is saber tooth tiger, I jump. Your body's just going to react, right? A response is, I'm not going to just jump. I'm going to fight them and i'll set up a trap that's more of a response when you really tap into your thrive brain your right hemisphere you get creative you got you you have a choice and then you can be creative about it and creativity is what's possible you have unlimited possibilities there's a there's unlimited choices in any given moment as long as you're not stuck in survive brain
0: so choice is number three you're talking about those four so choice is number
1: three choice yep and then you move into creativity that's four yeah because see this is what's neat about our species yeah we're hardwired like a lot of other animals we have that limbic system but example we have a dog we have a little um, English bulldog Trevor and Trevor's my little buddy and Trevor gets the idea of the pack he gets the idea of when he's done wrong he gets the idea of making me happy but when Trevor and I go outside he doesn't look up at the moon and think let's go to the moon you know he's just not that creative he'll be pretty creative for his kibble but not that creative humans are that creative but we only are that creative when we are at choice you follow? Mm. And so when we want to develop resiliency in teens or in people, we have to go back to the basics of understand your brain, understand how you got to be present. And that'll allow that neural pathway to literally get to that right side of your brain. That's where you're creative. You're not creative in your limbic system. You just survive in the limbic system. You follow? Yeah. And so this is what's so important about the conversation we need to have. And well, how do I get present? Vision, hearing, smell, touch, taste. When was, when was Think about it. When was the last time? You ate a meal, and you just ate it, and didn't really even notice what you're tasting. See, Probably yesterday, right? Right. right. Yep. And listen, I'm not saying you can make a. It is a challenge. You asked the question. You're right to make a full meal a total presence exercise. Yeah, that's a lot of work. So how about make the first five minutes of the meal presence exercise? You know, or how about if like you, you like your coffee or your tea before you just drink it, feel the warmth of the cup, notice the steam coming off of it, sip it, just feel that taste. It be utterly present to what you're doing in that moment because the only real thing we have is now. The 10 minutes ago you and I had is gone. We'll never get it back.
0: Just with that, um, and it's really interesting because occasionally I I make a, a chicken risotto and I also make a Japanese curry and it's one of my children's favourites. We we have it quite regularly. On occasions, my, my kids will turn around and go, you just slapped this together, didn't you, mum? There is no love involved in this. And I'm like, I was really rush today and and you can actually taste it and the other times that you know I'm constantly stirring it and tasting it and you know as you say like being really present with it and getting involved in it it tastes totally different and the whole experience at the other end when we're eating it it's all totally different and yeah it's made with love as they say rather than just you know just a meal to fill our stomachs pretty much.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And see, so let's put that back in the brain. So that part of the brain is limbic system. Remember, fight, flight, freeze, feed. I ate. My body is satiated. Yeah, but how about having a meal that is just a potpourri to the taste buds, you know, not just something that'll feed you, but that'll help you grow and expand and evolve. That's where we need to go. That's what will help people thrive. Because let me put it this way. If we walked up to an ice cream stand, do you want to decide on what flavor? You want to have, or do you want to choose what flavor you want to have? See, when we, Sasha, when we decide something, decide IDE, homicide, gentricide, fratricide, IDE is killing something off. So chocolate okay. one vanilla v- chocolate one vanilla loss versus choice. Um chocolate. Why? I'm just feeling it. Like I didn't decide to marry Mary, mm. I chose to marry my wife Mary. It's a totally different energy. Mm. You see it? Just like, did you just slap some food together, mom? Or did you make some food with love? Sometimes I did. And, and listen, there are things in life that, yes, just decide. Or yes, just move on with it. And that's okay. Yeah. But if if you want to fully experience life and fully experience all areas of your brain, you have to choose. And how do we get there? Be awake. Be aware, choose, and then you can be creative. Then you really experience what it means to be human. Mm. Otherwise, we're just surviving.
0: With your line of work, what are some of the problems that um, problems or situations that people come to you with, and and how do you work through solving
1: them? Yeah, it's a great question. It really doesn't matter what the particulars are. It all comes down to the same thing. Timmy, life isn't showing up for me the way I would prefer it would. It could be uh, I'm not leading my team well. It could be I'm not hitting my quota on the month. It could be I just have bad relationships. We have met the enemy. It's ourselves. Most problems I have are just that, my problems. And to understand your problems, you have to understand your brain and your body connection. That's why I believe in mental fitness. So what I will do. is like if I was coaching, you bring a coaching topic to every conversation. It is something that's current, that's unresolved, that uh, lends itself itself well to coaching. And it's something you care about. And what we look at is why does this mean something to you? And as we go through our questions in coaching, we end up discovering that sounds very limbic system that sounds very saboteurish, and we'll actually have a test you can take to see what your saboteurs are etc because once we can start naming things we can tame things mm-hmm. yeah and here here's the neat thing then it takes this whole well I'm a bad person stop the bad person rack your brain is just doing what it's meant to do but instead of you running the brain the brain's running you so let's learn a little about your brain and about you and we can start working on you showing up instead of your brain showing up. see your personality shows up when you don't, meaning your automatic reactions. That's there's crazy. a deeper part of there's a deeper part of all of us that gets lost in the mayhem of the day. Example, I just slapped it together. And listen, you may be time crunched. Sorry kids how to slap this one together, you're not going to starve tonight, right? Mm. But if we can, yeah, let's make it with with a love. If we can, let's show up with a little love. If we can, let's learn to get proper perspective of ourselves and love ourselves. See, we can never love anybody else until we start appropriately loving ourselves. But the survive brain isn't about love. It's about survive.
0: And I think a lot of people have a hard time actually understanding the fact that they can't love someone else until they love themselves. And that's something that that I teach as well and it's one that stops them in their tracks,
1: pretty much. To your point, I particularly have worked with men, um, and my former career was in law enforcement. So you know, we had crime, and when you look at crime, a lot of crime was done was committed by men. And when you look at those men, they did not have positive male spiritual role models in their life. They never had the role model teach them how to love, what it meant to be a man, and to ask them who they really were or what they really wanted. Honestly, they didn't really know that they were on this do more, be more, I kill for I am type track versus I love there for I am. And one of the most important things we need, and this is this has shown up in the work of Joseph Chilton Pierce with brain surges. There's five times when your brain has these neuron surges, it grows. It starts when you're very young. And it, the last one's anywhere from 15 to 18, which interestingly enough is when we would normally initiate young boy, pretty much don't do that anymore. But what is key for the, that neural pathway to really activate is a role model someone that can show that child this is how you do it the right so the best thing i can tell parent that might be listening is what can i really do the most important thing be the appropriate role model yeah so love yourself and then it, it, it sounds the, it's the wrong way but if you can't love yourself you can't love your kids if you can't love yourself you can't love your wife so you gotta learn about who you really are on a deeper core level than this survive slap it together kind of stuff. And that's where a coach can help out.
0: You mentioned earlier that you were an endurance athlete. How does the importance of having a consistent routine really help with that? And did you have that? Like, did you have routine when you started as that endurance athlete?
1: Great question. Uh, so endurance-wise, it's triathlons, Ironman triathlons, ultra marathons, things like that. Clearly, you can't do 140.6 miles on a whim. <laughs> you need to do a little training, and the key to training and staying healthy is consistency. You know, like I said, 10 seconds, maybe it's a 10-minute workout, and you just keep building off of that. uh It's always about the process more than the event. It's actually a little anticlimactic when you finally get to an Ironman, like, oh wow, it's already here. You know, it's like Christmas coming up, like, ah, it's here now. Um. But we get there through the process. So you have to have that process. It's interesting that for me, my endurance athleticism started because I was very sickly as a child and I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I found the right doctor with my allergy. He's an asthma and all this that he dove into it saying, No, we're gonna give you some medication, but we're gonna get you active. And it started with swimming. So it wasn't that light or fight or freeze. It's we're gonna make a choice here. We're gonna go into it in a healthy way. See, your mind will quit way before than your body will probably. That's what I've learned in with endurance athleticism. And that's why mental fitness is so important to me and helping others realize that. And the other point that's worth making is you know, for parents, I'll be like, "Why? Well, it's all for the kids. Listen, even a formerly 100 car has to come in to get the tires changed. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't bring your best self to your kids.
0: No, that's that's absolutely right. In wrapping up, can you give some words of wisdom or words of advice to A, the parents listening today and the teenagers listening today as well? Because occasionally we have some of them tuning in
1: the one thing i can say to both uh members in that audience would be give yourself a break again the the limbic system that survive brain wants to make it wrong you're not wrong you're just doing the best you can do left to your own devices and for the parents you are the role model you have to take care of yourself and move from that awake aware choice to creativity and find the creative ways for yourself and then to engage with your children. And for the kids, the more that they can see that and tap into their choice and creativity, they can live a life of true freedom and independence. So in practical terms, uh, kids, put down the phone and just learn to just be okay with being in yourself for 10 seconds or longer. Just try some breathing. Just focus on your breathing. Breathe in. Breathe out. Right. This is basic and resiliency stuff 101. Um, I was talking to a CEO who has a young son and the son's got some behavioral issues. And we talked about presence work. And here's an example. How about doing a presence routine with your child? So his son's in like fifth grade. The recommendation was you both go outside and sit there with your eyes closed and just listen. And your son tells you something he heard. I hear a bird. You have to tell him something you heard, but it's different than that bird. And you just keep going back and forth with, I hear this, I hear that, I hear this, I hear that. And you keep going for as long as you can. Look what you just did. You did a presence exercise. You focused on one thing, what you could hear, all the different things you could hear, and you did it together. And there was that role modeling. So it's really the cliff note version is be in the now, be in the moment, just be in the moment. When was the, Here's a question for people. Someone you love, are their earlobes connected or not connected. You looked at them every day, but have you really noticed things like that about them? So in the moment, really notice people. See, that's what I do as a coach. The idea is, is not to tell you my experience, it's to understand your relationship to the topic you're bringing to the coaching session. And I just go deeper and deep with that. So just be present to people and go deeper with their relationship. To what they're bringing to that conversation?
0: Absolutely, yes, it does. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you so much. I um I always get to the end of these sessions and it's literally we've been talking for five minutes and it's it's nearly forty five minutes. I will put all your comments and links um etc in the notes. Um, any final words for us?
1: If nobody's told you lately, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing and helping people. It's really special. Thanks. Sasha. Oh, I
0: love that. Thank you. Awesome, awesome chatting. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.